Welcome to Thrive Community Podcast. We are a church community that is passionate about helping you thrive in your life with Jesus. If you're after more information about Thrive Community, hop onto our website at www.thrivecommunity.au. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired by this message. Last week, we spent a bit of time going through Ezra, and I know some of you were here and, and, and some of you weren't able to, to make it, and we started speaking about the return of the Jews from exile in Babylon, returning back to the promised land, and the, the things that happened along the way, and their journey of beginning to rebuild the temple, and they started rebuilding the, the altar, and we were just looking at you know, some of the historical context around that, that the Jews had been in Babylon for close to, to 60, 70 years by the time the first few came back to Jerusalem. And they were at this kind of moment where King Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, who had come and taken control of, of Babylon, had issued a decree and said that the Jews could return to the land to rebuild the temple. And different historical records kind of have different numbers around the number of Jews that were in Babylon at that time. But regardless, more than half of them chose to remain in Babylon rather than come back to the promised land. And it was this idea of, you know, they'd been there for decades, they'd established businesses, probably had comfortable homes, and they were in this moment where they had to choose whether they stay in the comfort and the convenience of Babylon or actually return back to be a part of rebuilding God's purpose and God's plan for them as a nation. And it was returning back to a land that had been left in ruins for decades. And it wouldn't have been an easy process. It wouldn't have been necessarily a fun process, but it was something that God was calling them to. And we're saying that in many ways, that feels like kind of the season that we're in and the journey that we're on as well. It's not necessarily always comfortable or convenient, but God is, is leading us back to the promised land and there's something special and unique that he's doing at the moment. And so we're going to continue talking about that idea of returning and rebuilding and what, what that looks like for us. I did think about, and the, the kids are all in there, you could almost... Have a, have a Lego illustration and bring the Lego in and actually begin rebuilding in the, in the midst of our, our time together. But I'm going to read just a couple of verses from Ezra, um, and then I want to read a, a portion from Ezekiel as well. And then I've got a, a slide that I've put together, which is a little bit different, but I want to use that as kind of a reference point for us to, to talk through a bit around the season that I believe that, that we're in and the journey that we're on together. So Ezra chapter 3 Verses 1 to 3. And this is after the initial 50-odd thousand Jews had returned to Jerusalem. And it says, In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. And we're talking about last week the importance of, of unity, unity of purpose. Not necessarily unity of preference, not unity on every single little issue or position, but unified purpose in wanting to live our lives for the Lord and be a part of seeing his kingdom established here on earth. 
And then it goes on to say, Then Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. And there's this idea of, of rebuilding and coming back to the old foundations that there is something that God is doing leading us back. We've been talking about rediscovering early church community, that there's a foundation of surrender and worship and community that God is restoring again. And the Jews all those years ago would have had to be, you know, trawling through and clearing rubble that had built up or weeds and plants that had grown to find the old foundation and the old site for them to be able to rebuild that altar of worship and surrender. And then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. And there was a lot in that that we talked about last week, but kind of setting the scene of these people returning back to Jerusalem, clearing through the rubble. There was local residents who were the Samaritans that had, history suggests that they ran off into the hills when the Babylonians invaded. And then they ended up getting married to to other people around the area. And there were kind of this mixed breed of, of Jews and other cultic religions that were around there. And they were opposing what God was trying to do in rebuilding the the temple. And this whole time of, of exile in Babylon and returning, there's a number of books that speak into that. Um, there is Ezra, obviously. There's also Haggai and Zechariah and Nehemiah. And there's a large chunk of Ezekiel where Ezekiel is prophesying from exile, speaking about what the return is going to look like, what the rebuilding is going to, to look like. And it's Ezekiel 33, chapter 33, all the way through to, to chapter 48, are uh, the prophecies of Ezekiel speaking into the, the return of the Jews back to their land, but he is also prophesying kind of further forward into the new covenant reality and things like that as well. And so many of the most famous prophecies of Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones, is in the context of the Jews being in Babylon and speaking about what the return is going to look like. And you think about it, there was, Jerusalem was destroyed. It was like a valley of dry bones. And this is Ezekiel prophesying to say that, you know, the city and the people of God in that place will be born again and will rise up again. Um, And there's also, you know, Ezekiel 47, the the water flowing from the temple, an ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, in over our head. Again, he's speaking to rebuilding the temple and there will come a time where the water of the Lord flows again um, and we will see healing and, and the city will be thriving once more. And so that whole back part of Ezekiel is prophesying from exile into the returning, into the rebuilding that, that is to happen. And so I want to read a portion from Ezekiel 36. And I'm going to read from verse 25 to 36. So Ezekiel 36, 25 to 36. And I'm reading from the, the NLT. And it's interesting when you, when you read through this, you'll begin to see how Ezekiel is prophesying at so many different levels and so many different layers into not just the physical return, but also you know, the, the returning to the Lord that came when Jesus paid the price for us and the new covenant that was established. So it says from Ezekiel 36, 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. 
and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will cleanse you of your filthy behavior. I will give you good crops of grain. I will send no more famines on the land. I will give you great harvests from your fruit trees and fields. And never again will the surrounding nations be able to scoff at your land for its famines. You're kind of getting a picture of Israel being desolate and the neighboring nations starting to kind of look at it and say, you know, who is your God? Your land is lying in ruins. Um, And God's saying, no, I'm going to restore it. We're going to see you return and rebuild. Then you will remember your past sins and despise yourselves for all the detestable things that you did. But remember, says the sovereign Lord, I am not doing this because you deserve it. Isn't that a kind of fascinating statement and how true that is of us and the new covenant and the rebuilding of the temple in our own hearts that took place. That it wasn't because we deserved it, but it's by the grace of God and all that he has done for us. Oh, my people, Israel, you should be utterly ashamed of all that you have done. And remember the reason the Israelites were kicked out and taken away in exile was because they hadn't listened to the Lord and they disobeyed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And then this bit at the end is kind of what I want to focus on. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When I cleanse you from your sins, I will repopulate your cities and the ruins will be rebuilt. The fields that used to lie empty and desolate in plain view of everyone will again be farmed. And when I bring you back, people will say this former wasteland is now like the Garden of Eden. The abandoned and ruined cities now have strong walls and are filled with people. And then the surrounding nations that survive will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruins and replanted the wasteland. For I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do what I say. What a powerful picture of kind of a city coming back to life again, right? Ruins being rebuilt, the fields and the, and the, you know, the, the land being farmed again, being replanted and, and there being crops and, and things that are growing again, the walls being rebuilt I love the, the picture that's painted here. And, and I think there's so many different layers to, to the prophecy here, you know, because it's speaking about this sort of spiritual restoration in rebuilding the temple, but also rebuilding the whole community through the houses and the rest of the city. It's also speaking about, you know, rebuilding the, the agricultural side, the harvest of their, of their city and their community as well in replanting the fields. And... What's fascinating is, yes, of course, it's, it's speaking into their physical return back to Jerusalem, which happened, you know, as we were talking about last week of 530-odd BC when people started coming back. But I believe it's also speaking into the later point in history where Jesus comes in the new covenant. And I believe there's so much of this that is resonating in my heart, speaking into the season that we're in right now. This idea of returning, rebuilding the ruins, replanting the fields that have been left, rebuilding homes for community. There's such a a powerful picture here that, that I feel like is speaking prophetically into the season that we're in as well. There's this kind of idea of returning and rebuilding and this deeper spiritual truth of what God is doing in our hearts returning back to our first love. We were talking about that last week, restoring a desire for deep, authentic community and, and rebuilding that in our hearts as well. And also a kind of a hunger for the harvest to see God actually begin to move across the earth in a new way 
and in a fresh way. And all of those different things, I feel like, are kind of converging in the time that we're in right now. There is this kind of spiritual desire wanting to come back to the simplicity of Jesus. There's this desire for deeper, authentic community that kind of tokenistic relationships and acquaintances aren't enough. We need to be a part of a a deeper community. There's a a desire for genuinely seeing the harvest and the fruitfulness of what God can do in our lives and in the lives of others, that just giving things lip service isn't enough. We want to see the fruitfulness and the promises of God for freedom and redemption and restoration. And all of this is kind of coming together, even thinking about, you know, our hearts and the journey that we've been on over the last few months. There's this return to deeper heart issues and actually dealing with things and seeing things properly rebuilt and established. And uh, as I said, I see all of those things coming together. There's this sort of natural expression of the returning and the rebuilding. And we see that, I think Ben, you might have shared with me, you know, a little while ago that you were telling people, you know, that you were meeting in a house for church and 18 months ago, they were kind of giving you a funny look and you mention it now and they go, oh, that's kind of cool, right? And there's this kind of shift happening in different parts of the body of Christ um, where there's kind of a natural expression of the return and the rebuilding, um, where people are gathering perhaps in simpler, smaller spaces and finding the community and finding Jesus moving in, in that way. But then there's also kind of the, the deeper reality beyond the physical expression. There's this kind of deeper returning in our hearts, returning to our first love, returning to Jesus being our, our only focus rebuilding and and replanting, you know, rebuilding those altars of worship just like the Jews did as we read about in Ezra. Perhaps replanting seeds of faith and replanting things in our own lives that we know are going to help us endure through the seasons going forward. And as I said, I, I think that picture that's painted there by Ezekiel is so powerful in speaking to the season that we're in. But what I love about it, particularly that last verse in Ezekiel 36, 36, it says, you know, then the surrounding nations that survive will know that I, the Lord, have built the ruins and replanted the wasteland. And even before that, talking about the wasteland looking like the Garden of Eden. You know, for for me, what's captured my heart about this in, in reading through it this week is that, you know, if I had to summarize what this picture looked like, it probably is, God promising that you will thrive again, right? That's God saying you will thrive again. Your city will thrive again. Your families will thrive again. Your worship and your temple will thrive again. There's this whole idea of thriving again, Um, being cleansed from sin. He talks about that. And we've spent a bit of time, again, going on that journey of finding rest for our souls, rebuilding the ruins, the former wasteland becoming like a garden and replanting the wasteland. And I believe that's what God is doing right now. And I want to spend a little bit of time just looking at something on the screen, which we haven't done a whole lot of before, but I hope that this is helpful. And there's this idea that we've, you know, part of a much bigger story of all that that God is doing. We're a part of a body and a journey that, has been going for thousands of years. And the body of Christ that was set up 2,000 years ago, we did rediscover early church a few weeks ago. And you know what, what I believe is happening right now is we've been on this journey for, for 2,000 years and there's been so much great stuff that's happened over 2,000 years of church history. 
but there's also been a number of things where we've wandered away and drifted or shifted from perhaps God's original design and intent. And we now find ourselves standing at the crossroads where we're beginning a new path to return to an old way. And, you know, we've talked about Jeremiah 6.16 a number of times. The Lord said to his people, you are standing at the crossroads. And I feel like we really are standing at the crossroads. We're standing at the crossroads. We're considering our path, asking where the old reliable paths are, because that's the path that will help us find blessing and find rest for our souls. And, you know, I I feel like this picture, and it's something that I felt like God gave me a little while ago, and as I've been kind of reflecting on it and praying into it, God moves in, in circles of completion. He brings things kind of full circle. That's, if you look through history, the whole gospel, the whole Bible is basically one big circle. Kind of, we, we start out with God's original design in the Garden of Eden, and the whole passage is about coming full circle back to God's original design. That is what the Bible is, is all about. Even just thinking about the journey of the, the Israelites, it was just full of circles where they were kind of you know, coming back to the promised land after dealing with things or whatever it might have been. I was listening to a, a podcast this week about the, the book of Haggai, and I didn't realize that apparently Babylon um, is geographically quite close to the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, which is where Abraham started his journey. And so the journey of the Jews from Babylon back to the promised land is almost identical to the very first journey that Abraham went on leaving Ur of the Chaldeans, coming into the promised land when God promised the land to them. And there's this whole idea of kind of circles of God just continuing to, to bring things into circles of completion. And I, you know, I feel like that's the same for our individual lives as well, right? The work that Christ has done for us is complete. And we're kind of on this journey of trying to find our way back to actually experiencing the fullness of what he's done. Right? Jesus doesn't need to do anything else. We're just on this kind of journey of returning back to experiencing the fullness of what he's done. And it's also the journey that I believe that the church is going on more broadly. Right? We're going to come to a place where we're back to God's original design, spotless, without blemish. And God brings the church full circle into his heart and into his desire for, for us. And so... You know, that, that journey at the bottom of the slide there that I've called our journey, I don't know how long that's going to take. You know, it probably depends on, on our obedience and, 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 and how kind of consistent and united we are as a body of Christ. But, but that journey is not about going back to doing what the early church did. It's not about copying what the early church did. It's actually about capturing again the heart of who the early church were. Right? This, this isn't something, and I don't want to be you know, sharing something in a way that suggests it can only be done with small groups of people. It can only be done in homes or whatever, because it's not. This is about capturing a heart. And so whether there's 20 people, whether there's 2,000 people, whether we're in a massive building somewhere or whether we're meeting in a home, this is about returning and recapturing the heart of the early church and God's design and intent for the way the body was meant to work and impact and release the kingdom in the world around us. And so we're standing at that crossroads right now. Or I believe that we're standing at the crossroads right now. And I know we've talked about this and many of us probably resonate with that as well. We're at that kind of turning point or hinge moment where you're kind of shifting from one path 
and trying to find out how to get on the, the next one. And you can see it across the church and you can also see it, to be honest, I feel like that same diagram you could probably speak about you know, the, the economy and what's going on at the moment and we're, we're in this kind of transition time economically as well where you're, you're not quite sure where it's headed, um, you're not quite sure what needs to shift and what's changing. One week you listen to the news and they say things seem to be okay, the next week everything's falling apart and, and there's this kind of confusion, this transition of, of different paths and we're at, a, we're at a crossroads and I feel like that's the same in many ways across different parts of the body of Christ. And that same kind of tension or different emotions, different feelings, different messages was something that the, the Jews had to wrestle through when they returned to the promised land in Ezra as well. Ezra chapter 3 verses 12 to 13. You know, they've returned back to the promised land. They've rebuilt the altar of the temple and the foundation. And then Ezra 3 verses 12 to 13, it says, But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' households, the old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. While many others shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard far away. And there's this kind of mixture of weeping and grief and joy and excitement all kind of coming in together, making it difficult to discern or distinguish what was really going on at the time. And I don't know about you, but that resonates with me. There's things happening at the moment in my life and kind of more broadly that you go, this is really exciting, this is great and I love what's going on there. And there's also other things that are a struggle and you kind of feel like, you know, what's, what's going on here? And it's these, these two things coming together and in those environments, sometimes it can be hard to distinguish or discern the path and the direction that we're meant to take. And like I said, I'm not sure. If you look back over the last 12 months of your own life, your, your, your own family, you'd probably see a whole mix of, of different ups and downs as well. And that's part of these transition seasons where you feel like there is kind of some really exciting, great stuff going on, but at the same time, there's some stuff that you're kind of weeping or grieving over or struggling with, and it's all kind of being mixed in together, and it makes it difficult to, to work out everything that's going on and what is the path that we're meant to take. And as I said, I certainly feel like that's the case for, for me and Sarah and, and the kids, sometimes even week to week. You have a week where you're like, everything's exciting, this is awesome, and then the next week you're like, what is even going on? What's the, <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, and, and I think that that's part of being in the kind of transition season from, from one path to another, is that there's different perspectives and different emotions in, in all of that. There's excitement mixed with discouragement, mixed with stepping out, mixed with fear, mixed with passion, mixed with moving forward, mixed with feeling like maybe you're going backwards at the same time, all of that kind of rolled in to one. And that in itself, I think, is probably worth us being aware of in terms of navigating this season because we don't want to repeat what happened for the Jews 2,500 years ago Right after that passage at the end of Ezra chapter 3, there was resistance and opposition that came quite strongly from the Samaritans, and they actually put tools down on rebuilding the temple for 16 years. And it can be difficult 
at times in transition seasons to, to keep going and not be discouraged or to listen to the wrong voices, you know, and actually then kind of lose your way or put tools down on the things that God is actually wanting us to build. And so they stopped building the temple for 16 years and that's where the prophecies of Haggai and Zechariah come in. God was like, you know, you spent too much time leaving the temple in ruins and you've been focusing on building your own houses. You might remember from Haggai, he says, you know, that yeah, here you are with your own panelled houses, but yet the temple of the Lord still needs to be rebuilt. Mm. And so God sent Haggai and Zechariah to prophetically encourage the Jews to get started again and finish the rebuilding work of the temple. And so it's kind of in that context that we then have that passage that I think I prayed earlier and all of us would probably be familiar with from from Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 where he says, This continuous supply of oil is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, prince of Judah, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit of whom the oil is a symbol, says the Lord of hosts. That's in the context of them kind of wrestling with a transition, returning to the promised land, um, having put tools down when they shouldn't have and God saying, no, no, this isn't something that you need to do in your own strength. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I will make sure that the temple is rebuilt. You don't need to come up with your own strategies or walk your own path. My spirit and the oil of my spirit is what will cause that work to be accomplished. And if you read through the rest of, of Zechariah 4, there's a whole lot in there, right? That's where it's do not despise the day of small beginnings. Um, all of that in the context of them rebuilding the temple, having returned to the promised land. And so it's in these times of transition that I think it's, it's more important than ever that we're leaning into the Holy Spirit, following what the Spirit is saying, because we can't afford to be trying to do things in our own might, in our own strength, in our own power, um, because we'll go well and truly off course so we find ourselves burnt out and discouraged. If we're going to be those that follow that new path as we return to the old way, we need to make sure that we're following the Spirit of God and listening to what He's saying. We need to, in many ways, you know, be following the ark of the covenant. Right? We haven't been this way before. I haven't been this way before. None of us have been this way before. This is a new path returning to an old way. And that's why we've kind of called some of this old church, new church. It's, it's bringing old and new together. And that following the ark, you know, I was reminded of this just preparing last night that Joshua, when he led the Israelites, you know, into the promised land where they had to cross the river Jordan, it really was a, a huge moment of transition for them. And they were kind of returning to the promised land again. And Joshua 3 verse 4, the instructions that are given, do not come near it, speaking about the ark so that you may be able to see the ark and know the way you are to go, for you have not passed this way before. You know, and I feel like in many ways, we haven't passed this way before and we need to be those that are following the ark of God. And I shared a bit of this last week, but it just seems like over the last few months, God is beginning to connect us with different people that are walking a similar path and beginning to have conversations around what, what God is doing, which is really encouraging because, you know, we don't ever want to be doing something just on our own. Ultimately, if God is shifting and, and doing something more broadly, there's going to be a shift across just 
not just us sitting in, in one room in, in Blackburn South, but, but God is moving more broadly across the body of Christ and being able to unite together and learn from one another, hear what God is saying to others and grow together amongst us as a community, but also more broadly, um, because that's part of coming together with that unified purpose that we talked about before. And so kind of with, with all of that in mind, what I wanted to do was for us to have a bit of a conversation around some of the, the things that are transitioning as a result of the journey that we're beginning. So what are some of the sort of practical shifts that might be happening? What are some of the, the heart shifts that are going on, the things in our heart? And I'll share around some of this and, and would you know, really value your, your thoughts and what God is speaking to you about as well, because we don't want to just be doing things for the sake of doing something different, doing things just for the sake of, you know, it seems like a good idea, but we want to actually be hearing the voice of God and walking the path that he has for us as a community and our role in the broader, broader body. We want to follow the ark of God. And so, you know, just one disclaimer before we jump into some of some of this is that these are some of the things that have been stirring in my heart and Sarah and I have been talking about them. But, you know, we don't have a complete picture of everything that's going on across the body of Christ right now. No one has a full understanding of all of that. This is just our perspective and our thoughts and what we feel like God is, has been kind of stirring in us. And so in following the old path, the, the new path back to the old way, this kind of idea of rebuilding the ruins, replanting the fields, We've thought about it in the context of, of a number of different areas, but I want to focus on, on three things in particular, and then we'll open up a bit of a conversation together. So that kind of rebuilding, Ezra, they, they rebuilt the, the altar and the foundation first, then they rebuilt the temple around that, the temple courts, and then the temple was able to function in its kind of mature role in society. And in the replanting, right, when you're planting seeds, whether it's apple trees or whatever it might be, there's the roots that go down first that begins to grow up and branch out. And then there becomes that kind of fruitful, fully grown, mature, mature tree. And so using those pictures, you know, the, the first step ultimately and the foundation or the altar or the roots for our lives is our life with Jesus and our personal relationship with the Lord, kind of growing and being equipped in our personal relationship with Jesus. And the phrase that's come to mind for me is, is the journey that we're on is moving from entertaining to equipping. You know, that the spaces that we're in, the life that we live, our relationship with the Lord isn't about entertainment, but it's actually about being equipped in our personal life with the Lord. And the spaces that we're a part of, the relationships that we have, the gatherings that we have together, it's, it's, it's moving from entertaining to equipping. And then the second part of those two pictures of rebuilding and replanting, there's the, the temple courts that get built up around that altar of, of, of worship. And that's where the community is able to gather. The courts of the Gentiles, they come with their sacrifices, they connect, they share. And, and that picture of a tree growing up and branching out, you know, we branch out through our relationships with others, through growing in different spaces. And the phrase that, that came to mind for me here is moving from corporation to community. You know, it's less about it being a business or a corporation. What we are is a community and we're growing together in relationship with each other and hopefully through that community growing in our life with Jesus and growing into who God wants us to be. And then lastly, the 
the role that the temple plays in society when it is fully constructed, it has so many different mature roles across society. There's the place, the meeting place for community. The temple back then also had a, had a role in the banking system because everybody was contributing temple taxes and there were treasury rooms within the temple. It had a political role in society back then. It hosted feasts where there were you know, thousands, if not millions of people that were gathered together and there was this kind of you know, fully grown role that the temple played across all of society. And in the same way, our lives with the Lord, ultimately the focus and for us and our hearts is wanting to see each of us kind of mature and take our place and fulfill our role as fully grown people who are ultimately just being transformed into the image of Christ. And so the phrase around that is moving from attendee to maturity. And so those, those three shifts, there's this kind of focus on returning to equipping community and maturity. Equipping community and maturity. And I'm just going to read one quick passage of Scripture. And, and I love this because I feel like just five verses in Ephesians 4 almost captures all of that. This idea that church community is a focus on equipping us in our personal life with the Lord, being part of a community that's encouraging and growing together, and also ultimately that our goal is trying to mature into the image of Christ. Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 16, and it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And I love that. That's such a beautiful picture of community, right? As each part does its own special work, we help each other to grow and mature and be the healthy body full of love. 